Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If you've been listening to this podcast over the past few weeks, you know just how excited we are for the kickoff of the 2021 ITA season. Seven host sites for both the men and women should be such an exciting weekend of college tennis. And of course, we here at Crack Rackets are so excited to be along with all of you for the ride. Hopefully, you will join us on our YouTube channel Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as we come cover all of the action in our red zone type feature. Chris Hallioris and I are going to be live all weekend long as we jump from host site to host site, match to match, as the action heats up across the country. Of course, we here at Cracked Rackets have done our best over these past few weeks to try and prepare all of you listeners for the kickoff of this 2021 season, whether that's our college contender series where we broke down our top 11 Cracked Rackets teams heading into the season, whether it be our break breakdown of all the action in our ITA kickoff weekend preview, whether it was yesterday or Wednesday, whenever, you know, we recorded that podcast, we did our first mailbag of the 2021 season to answer all of your lingering questions. Well, now we just have one thing left to do here at Crack Records. We want to give out some predictions, introduce some new content we have planned for all of you in 2021, and of course, have a little bit of fun as we round out our preseason coverage for this college tennis season and of course joining me to do just that on today's podcast you know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames lover of almond joy lover of mothers the professor the snitch the one shoulder designer and of course a man who quotes Henry Ford it's Chris Hallioris Chris hey great shot to you you sick of me yet because you will be by the end of the weekend no, I'm just excited that the one of the many games to root for the Liberty Flames gets to do so this weekend, Alan. <laughs> That's exactly the case. We do have another update, our, what, 12th? 13th, 14th update for this kickoff weekend as the Liberty Flames are going to be taking the spot of Oklahoma State in the Texas region. What that means, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, they're going to take on the Longhorns in their first match. It's going to be Arizona, I believe now, taking on the University of Florida in that other round of 32 battle. Uh, Of course, goes without saying, Trevor Fauché is family here at the Great Shot Podcast. He is the current assistant coach for the Liberty Flames. So, of course, Though we will not be covering the University of Texas on our stream, we will, of course, be talking about it nonetheless throughout the day. And it's worth noting, for our red zone coverage, by the way, it's going to be four schools. We've secured access and a huge shout-out to the athletic departments, to the head coaches, to people at the conference. You understand, after trying to set something like this up, why it hasn't happened before. Uh, But a huge shout-out to NC State, USC, and then our Big Ten brethren, Michigan and Ohio State for giving us the green light to repurpose their broadcast. Again, it's going to be subscription-free, advertisement-free, unsullied by distractions, just straight college tennis and our commentary to direct directly into your veins, into your eyeballs, because of course, there's going to be so much fantastic action throughout the course of the weekend. You don't want to miss any of it, and it is always a fun time when Chris and I get to break down all of that action in the booth as well. I feel like because it's a crack Racket stream, we may be able to swear game time decision on that but there i could drop the occasional f-bomb and not feel bad chris because i don't think the it well you know i wouldn't want to do that to the ita probably we're still probably going to avoid the cussing yeah i think you should avoid that uh, for for sure you just said that like my father i might have to add the father uh onto your uh, introduction yeah i mean the ita was kind enough to like tweet out the fact that you were doing the coverage you don't want (laughs) to go and then start swearing on something they they tried to advertise for you Uh, First line of the red zone, man, f*** the ITA. I'm so done with all that. Not, no, I'm just kidding. I obviously love our friends at the ITA who, as you mentioned as well, beyond the schools, we should give them a huge shout out too for the blessing to do this because, you know, much like us, they understand we are looking here at 
cracked rackets to grow college tennis. Of course, eventually we want to profit off of that growth, but uh, we are in it for the long haul, much like they are, and we cannot thank them enough for their continued assistance in everything uh, we tried to do. So we hope all of you will join us for that this weekend. Also worth noting, and you know, I suppose A, this is like the chaser in the warm-up to getting ready for it, just being me and Chris this weekend. B, our boy, Matt the Kratz, the, Matt the Kratz, the Koyak, who of course we wanted to have on this podcast, headed up to Ann Arbor to watch his brother and Baylor take on the Wolverine. So unfortunately not going to be able to join us tonight or on the stream this weekend. But of course, we all know what Maddie thinks at this point. Just look at the rankings. If they're number one, uh, he thinks they're going to win. If they're less than their opponent, he thinks they're going to lose. Uh, no, but he will be back throughout the season, of course, to give his predictions. And, you know, he was very in-depth on what he thinks is going to happen in what he wrote for our College Contender Series. So, you know, to learn more about his thoughts for how 2021 is going to break down, be sure to go check out all of his work on our website, crackrackets.com. But with that in mind, Chris, we still have a little bit of business to do. As I mentioned at the top, we've got some new content for our Crack Rackets listeners. That's where we're starting today's podcast. I just brought up our Red Zone coverage, which again, all of you listeners can find on our YouTube channel. We're also doing something else. Really, really cool. Something we are super excited to launch this season. And as many of you know, in our College Contender Series, we talked about how we are going to have our Crack Rackets top 10 uh, rank rankings throughout the course of the season. Chris, Matt, and I will vote each and every week. We'll come on the podcast, discuss why we voted the way we did, where we settled upon, etc., etc., well, another element we are planning to add to that this season is a bi-weekly coaches poll of the top 10 teams. And of course, this is something we can now do because of the fact that so many of these coaches, these programs, players have embraced our Cracked Rackets coverage of college tennis. And we're forever appreciative of that embracing by them. But, you know, again, who, as we've learned through trial and error, and this is something I wrote to them in the email, we have learned the hard way, Chris. You, me, Matt may think we know what we're doing, what we're talking about. We really don't. Like we, you know, these coaches are, they live it day in, day out. They're in the circle. All of these players they're competing against, more likely than not, they thought about recruiting or they actually did recruit and they see these other teams the way they compete against one another. They can address their flaws and they can do it all behind the cloak of anonymity as well. And it's just something we're really excited about because, you know, college football, they have a coaches pull. A lot of college sports, they have coaches pull. It pulls. It doesn't seem like college tennis did before. And of course, there are, you know, this is not to disrespect the ITA, the USTA, the Tennis Channel poll, which, by the way, I'm a voting member of this year. Very excited about that. But to provide this resource, Chris, is something I know we're really excited about here at Crack Rackets. Well, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not a member of the, the other voting poll, so it's crack. That's the way we can start there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah, it's you know, for, for us, it's, it's, it's great. A, just the more interaction with the coaches, the better. And B, we get to, you know, the fun part is as we are already doing as the uh, votes come in, sit there and go, man, look, where, look where we're off. Are they right or are we right? And of course we right. But you know, time will tell. <laughs> well, two things. A, let's be clear. As soon as I got the email, the first message I sent to them was, hey, I have these two guys I work with, Chris Halliorce and Matt Sikoyak, and I'm not saying no because I absolutely want to be the vote, but you should probably invite them too because what I'm going to say is pretty much just a regurgitation summarize of their thoughts uh, and just like the best of both worlds with a little craziness mixed in. And so believe me, I, I say – no later than the start of the 2022 season will you be a voter, Chris. Like I lock that prediction now in terms of one of the prop bets we have. I, I feel comfortable locking that in right now. But yeah, I agree with you. It's just great to hear their perspectives. And again, we are not going to say who voted for whom. We will talk about how many first place votes each of these schools got. We will talk about the general distribution of how things broke down point-wise. Does there seem to be tiers of way uh, certain coaches look at some schools compared to how they look at the other schools? Our hope is to expand this to a top 16 so that we can have the best barometer of who the coaches think should be the 16 host schools come the NCAA tournament. These are all projects for down the road. And again, 
I sent a lot of texts. I sent a lot of emails. I try to be funny, as many of you listeners know, in those texts and emails. I am well aware that some of the time my jokes miss. And you know what? That's part of the uh, that's part of the game. Sometimes a joke misses. But uh, I sent a lot of jokes to these coaches to try and entice them to participate in the poll. And a lot of them have. So a huge shout out to them. We should say we're shooting for a 20 coach minimum in each of these polls. We think that's a relatively uh, accurate sample size. And, you know, it's not just Power 5 conferences. I went through each of the every, you know, sub power five conferences, found the emails for their head coaches, emailed all of them. If some of you uh, are listening to this and say, you never emailed me, Alex, it's because I couldn't find your email on your website. And so if interested, DM either Chris and I, we will try and get you into this poll moving forward. Again, we want it to be bi-weekly. We're going to try and release them the first and third Mondays of every month in the buildup to the NCAA tournament. And we're really excited to talk to you about the results. So with that in mind, Chris, let's break down our first coaches poll here for our 2021 season. I'm just going to assume Westoff is going to give us some sort of really cool sound effect to signify the significance of this moment. Uh, but we look at this coaches poll, Chris. I think the biggest thing that jumps out to me, and we're going to break it all down. I'm going to go through 1 through 10. But I think we got the schools correct when you look at the top 10 schools of what the coaches think and the top 10 schools of what we think. Now, there's some differentiation in the order, and we cheated, by the way, and included 11 schools in our top 10. That was because I really wanted to include the University of Michigan. You guys have already heard that story, but you look at the 10 teams we have in uh, in the top 10 here uh, for our coaches poll compared to our top 10 poll. Uh, I don't think there's a single difference, Chris. I think the only thing missing is that we included Georgia at number 11. They did not include Georgia in the top 10, and Georgia would not have been number 11 had we included them. But, you know, Georgia was our number 11 team. So the big takeaway, 10 for 10, Chris, in the top 10. Yeah, I mean, certainly you can't, you can't argue with that. And, and as, I, as I look at it, right, uh, you know, we I think most of the listeners know by now that when we came up with our, our, our aggregated crack brackets ranking, you, Maddie, and I kind of did our own, and then we averaged them together, if you will, to come out with the ranking. So I was just kind of looking as, as we both got those initial results, uh, you know, taking out, I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you be the, uh, the new spoiler there, but taking out the two teams that the coaches seem as compared to us to have underrated uh, if I pull them out of the middle of mine, um, like the top six are a dead on in the exact same order as what the coaches have done. Uh, minus the fact that, you know, we just inserted those other two teams up much higher than the coaches seem to have. That is the least surprising news of any of the preseason podcasts we've done, that you are in lockstep with some of these coaches, Chris. That's why they like you so much. Uh, that's why they slide into your DMs and not mine. Um, but no, to your point, and look, even the teams on the outskirts, and we'll get into the specific teams. Chris, I appreciate you not playing spoiler there. You really are. This is why I'm so excited for this weekend, because after this, we are back in our groove. We're back in our rhythm. I remember coming off of that national indoors, I was like, damn. Me and Chris could do a lot of things right now. Like between Ann Arbor Challenger, between that event, we had a a strong start to our 2020 season. And uh, no, I think, you know, the teams we had on the outskirts that we didn't make our top 11, but we talked about considering were NC State and Texas. And in our coaches poll, and this is where I want to start, 14 teams received votes. And just a quick methodology to make things easy for the coaches, we give them a form. It's top 10 rankings. We give them 25 schools to pick for. They dot where in the rankings they think that school should be. Uh, Obviously, you know, Chris, Matt, and I will consult on the 25 schools we include to offer them as choices. Uh, each and every week and as we extend to 16 that'll expand yada 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 but the methodology essentially is show us your top 10 we'll give you 25 choices to pick from of those 25 choices 14 schools again received votes you have all the schools uh, that ended up in our top 10 that is UNC USC OSU Stanford TCU Florida Michigan Texas A&M Baylor and Wake Forest and again we'll break down that order more in depth in a second the other four schools receiving votes NC State Texas, Georgia, and Virginia. Anything surprise you there, Chris, in terms of the schools that have received votes thus far? I, I, yeah, sure. Even though I love Coach Spencer, I'm surprised that 
you know, at the votes that NC State got. I mean, they're they're clearly they're great indoors. Um, but yeah, that I mean, that one's a little surprising to me, and you know, a little a little surprised at Texas. Um, you know, they've got they brought in Micah Braswell, but really outside of that, you lose you lose Sig's Garnito, and that's all you bring in. And in a year where all all of these teams are bringing back the entire team and possibly adding to it. Um, a little surprising to see that they that the coaches put them in the top uh, in, in the top of the list there and in front of say a school like Georgia. I don't I don't see that. But uh, so those are probably the from the schools receiving the votes. Uh, what surprised me? Not really surprised Virginia. Uh, Virginia was in there with. I mean they've got they've got a chance. I, this year will be tough because of the so many freshmen but they've got a chance to really do something special with all of the super talented freshmen they've brought in. Uh, you know, they've got four really good freshmen on that team right now. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a team that, you know, probably not this year, but next year and on could be just tremendous. I love that they beat your flames once. And now you're like, I'm all in on Virginia. You're like, I've seen it happen. I know how good they're going to be. Uh, no, that, as you know, my inner who roots, uh, that's happy uh, to hear. And look again, uh, the methodology, just quickly, you get 10 points for a first place vote. You get one point for a tenth place vote. All the numbers in between, et cetera, et cetera. We add them all up at the end. Uh, you know, NC State, Texas, they missed out as of right now. And things may change because, coaches, I think there's like 12 more hours for the deadline. But things look relatively stable. Uh, there's, you know, a pretty big gap between NC State, Texas, and then Georgia and Virginia. NC State and Texas missed out on the top 10 by... By three points, you know, at most. Texas was three points off. NC State was two points off. So they're right there. They don't think the gap between those two schools and the rest of the top 10 is that big. But you do start to see a sort of tier system as you break down these rankings. Look at the amount of points teams have accumulated. And that's where I want to start and take our deep dive, Chris, because unequivocally, I think the team that has gotten the most respect from the coaches in our coaches poll is the number one team we have, and that's the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. You look at what they received exclusively first or second place votes for them. The fact that uh, they end up, again, as a pretty comfortable favorite over the number two team in our poll, and they're the only team to not receive a vote outside of the top two. That surprise you? Uh, you know, I, I in our breakdown, we said our top five schools were all national title contenders. Uh, I, I mean, it seems like the way these uh, the coaches thus far think is it's North Carolina kind of on a tier by themselves. Yeah, I mean, I how can you not disagree? The worst they, the worst they got was a second place vote, uh, and you know the second team in the poll, USC, had votes all the way down to fourth. So yeah, it's I mean, it seems pretty clear the coaches kind of have them at a level. Uh, above the rest of the field, if you will. Uh, and then really, even as you look at the the distribution of the votes after that, uh, you know, USC and Ohio State are kind of in that next level uh, by themselves. And then because everybody after that has votes, you know, kind of spanning all of the top 10, whereas those schools uh, really don't get outside the top five. So a lot of respect for USC and Ohio State as well. Well, so that gets us to something you referred to earlier you didn't want to spoil. We are higher on Baylor and Wake Forest than these coaches are, at least right now. Baylor coming in at number 9, Wake Forest coming in at number 10. In our coaches, uh, in our Crack Rackets poll, excuse me, Baylor was 3, Wake Forest was 2. Respectfully, they're number 9 and 10 by a pretty significant margin. And it's funny because, again, with their depth, we threw them up there with the Ohio State's USC's and UNC's. Evidently, the coaches right now disagree. Do you think we, you know, again, do you think we're right or they're right is a pretty uh, novel, you know, irrelevant question because obviously we're going to think we're right. But what's the disconnect here? What am I missing? Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure, right? I mean, it'd be interesting to yeah. talk. Unfortunately, we don't know who the coaches are that are uh, that are doing that. But uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see what they're thinking. Is it uh, is it a little bit of uh, of disrespect for you know, the programs themselves? Is it they don't really know a lot about all of the new additions to these teams or? Or are they, which is probably more likely the case, are they saying, hey, 
anybody with a bunch of newcomers is going to have to prove it. Although Baylor, I don't really call newcomers. It's a bunch of grad transfers that have all been in college. <laughs> so you know what you're getting there. Um, Wake, sure, they've got some freshmen coming in. So, And if that was the argument, then you can't put Stanford as high as you did because they're playing a couple freshmen up there. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, it, it's really it's hard to explain. I kind of get Wake more than I do Baylor for, from that respect in that, uh, you know, Wake does some of the newcomers there are freshmen. So a little more, Hey, you're going to have to show me something, but Baylor, you know, you know exactly what you're getting when you bring in Nick Stokowiak and you bring in Charlie Broom and you bring in Adam Ambrosi. I mean, I, there's, there's no, there, there's nothing unknown there. Maybe it's maybe they were thinking about the fact that Brooksby's not coming back, but I I don't buy that either. I just I I think there's uh, I think that's gotta just be a little lack of respect there. I don't know. Yeah. Now here's what I would add: is if you are a coach who would like to justify your ranking but remain anonymous, please send in those messages. We would love to explain them to our listeners. You know, for Wake, it for me, it's even more interesting because it's like that team made the quarterfinals of the indoors last year, and they bring back everyone plus the freshmen, and they're probably a little bit better. For Baylor, I sort of get it in that it's a young first-time head coach. It's a wait-and-see sort of thing. How do the transfers adapt? I mean, I don't agree with it, but I sort of understand it more for Baylor. For Wake, I really don't because they were a top-eight team last year, and, you know— I know they had to cancel their first event of the season because of COVID, but it's like, okay, come May, they're probably going to have their roster together, hopefully, you know, God willing. And I just, I don't see it. I like, I, I mean, I don't really get it for either of them. I, so yes, I would probably lean towards we're correct. I think these schools a little bit apprehensive, but then again, you look at the teams they have above them, Michigan, Texas A&M at seven and eight, you know, the guys on both of those teams coming back, you've seen the iterations of these teams prove it before on court. So I get why they're number seven and eight. We talked about Stanford so much there this offseason, them at number four, fine. TCU at number five, they're also considered in that Stanford tier. I think that's something we would agree with because we also have them there. The most interesting thing to me uh, outside of the Baylor-Wake Forest placement, Chris, Florida right now, number six in the coaches poll. Maybe I'm just a little heartburnt after what I saw in their opening matches of the season against US uh, opening match against USF, but I, I, did we sell too soon on Florida? Evidently, maybe. Oh, I'm not selling. That's for sure. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I still like the I still like the Gators, and I think that yeah, they were nine. I guess that's not a sell. Yeah, absolutely, they could be there. And as I said before, you know, okay, so they, you're talking about the USF match that they won six one because they dropped the doubles yeah. point. But but USF is a tremendous double school with Ashley Fisher coaching there. So um so yeah, I'm not selling that and and not only that, but we've seen one lineup variation so far, right? We haven't seen we haven't seen Lucas Greif play. We haven't seen any number of other guys that or probably, you know, Josh Goodger who probably gets indoor time play. We haven't seen those guys even in the in the lineup yet, so it's it's early. We know that talent wise, they're right there with them. So I I'm not worried about about Florida uh, in the least. No, what makes me really happy about this? A Florida, the highest ranked of the SEC teams, uh, something to keep in mind. B we always talked about Florida's talent, and we're just apprehensive because the results. I mean, first of all, it was a quarter of a season last year, but they haven't lived up to the ridiculous national championship expectations we have for them. What this shows me is other coaches around the country acknowledge just how much talent that Florida roster has, and so it's really good to see them feel that way about the talent Florida has this season again. We'll see how that talent performs throughout the course of the year. But one more time to recap our preliminary coaches poll, subject to slight change over the next 12 hours. It's going to be UNC number one, USC number two, Ohio State three, then a drop-off in points, Stanford four, TCU five, drop-off in points, Florida six, Michigan seven, drop-off in points, Texas A&M eight, 
Baylor 9, and finally the Wake Forest Demon Deacons number 10, NC State, Texas, Georgia, and Virginia, the other schools receiving votes. We look forward to continuing to see our coaches pull throughout the course of the year. Again, this is something we hope to get back to, and a huge thank you to all of the coaches who took the time to participate. But with that in mind, we have another new segment for you on today's show, something I am very excited to do because... Again, I, I think you hear the contention sometimes on the podcast, but my fondness for Chris Halioris cannot be measured in Reese's. It can't be measured in any quantifiable thing because I know he. I can always turn to him, at, whether it's the stupidest question in the world about some dumb parlay I'm thinking in a futures bet where I'm like, come on, like Chris will be interested in this. Let me text him and whatnot. And so, you know, I, I've I've gained, learned to trust Chris. I've learned to, uh, you know, gain confidence in each and everything he does. And so with that in mind, We wanted to give Chris a segment during this 2021 season. Now, it's going to change from week to week. I'm sure sometimes, like I did this week, I'm going to give him homework and say, hey, I want you to do your own segment, but talk about this, please. Uh, And that's the case for what we have today because we spent a lot of time in our College Contender Series talking about the power conferences, the top schools, the contenders we're going to be talking about week in, week out. My question to you, though, Chris, you look at, uh, you know, most importantly, uh, the mid-tier conferences or the non-Power 5 conferences, however you want to talk about it. Who are some of the schools we should be most focused on? How good do you think these schools can be? Give us the mid-major rundown in our first segment of Chris's Corner. And Westoff, give me some sort of Chris's Corner sound effect, please. All right, Gruskin. Well, I mean, it's there's undoubtedly to start the year and first of all i'm throwing i'm throwing the ivy league out for two reasons one they would be half of the top 10 uh of of that poll and two they're not even playing tennis right now so (laughs) so i feel somewhat justified now when they start playing again what do i do i don't know um and i and i almost feel bad with with the uh american in there but that's where you have to start and out outside of uh, the power five and and this one I take I take a, a big beef with as some folks have probably seen me go on Twitter about on occasion they insist on hashtag power six it's not the power six you're not six the Ivy League's next so you're seventh if anything so stop calling it the power six uh, you know and I just saw the UCF women's team tweet out new power six something or other I, it drives me insane when they do that but uh, from the non-Power 5, that is the next conference in line that I would say. And UCF is undoubtedly, um, right now, they, without question, they would be the top team outside of the Power 5, uh, ranking-wise. Uh, and then, of course, you've got a school like Pepperdine from last year, undefeated last year, uh, a great season coming into this year, making the kickoff, and they're heading up to Ann Arbor to play Texas A&M uh, in that match. So that, that's another school and then you got a wave of a you know a handful more teams that are very close to that level in teams like South Florida with Ashley Fisher that just played Florida, uh, like San Diego. Um, San Diego for the last couple of years has had a very good team. Uh, I think they they would they would have been a team for sure that would have been in the kickoff weekend had they not um, decided to decline even before the draft. Uh, now that we've had all these substitutions, for sure. They would have had a spot, but uh, but they they withdrew themselves from even before the draft. Uh, and then another school that most people probably know, probably the last one of the ones that you hear a lot about because on occasion they are ranked fairly high is Tulane uh, and another one from that same conference, a very good school. But there are a couple really good programs in there that aren't you don't see in the top 25 you don't hear a lot of talk about uh you know generally uh and and one of those schools uh is anthony rossi's vcu team uh that vcu team is a very good team um you know they i think they i'm not looking at last year's rankings but i want to say they just cracked the top 50 maybe just inside uh the top 50 but at the end of last year uh, and would have been, you know, had we made it through the season pending, even without a conference win, would have been getting close to being able to make the NCAA tournament on their own. Um, and then another school, you know, there's a couple other good schools in there, like Middle Tennessee, who just got the nod to go to Ohio State, right? They got the, 
the replacement spot there for kickoff weekend. So they're going to get to play uh, Loyola Marymount. Loyola Marymount's grabbed some uh, Tom Lloyd there at, at Loyola Marymount's done a really good job at grabbing some transfers here. So he he got Keenan Mayo from Illinois well, when he left. Right. He's got uh, Isaac Bacroft from from Mississippi State uh, last year, who was a freshman there and transferred out. Uh, so they've got, uh, you know, he's doing a good job trying to build that program. That's another good team. Um, and then a couple of schools like Old Dominion and East Tennessee State, year in, year out, really good and solid schools uh, and teams that you, you know, that are dangerous to you if, if you're one of, you know, if you're kind of a mid-level D1, the, those schools are dangerous. So those are kind of the top, the in my mind, the, the tops right there. And I think what I'll do is I'll probably put together a top, maybe a top 10 uh, that will keep updated during the year. And, and at some point, hopefully, the, the you know, the Liberty Flames will make their way onto that list or else I'll just have to put them at 10 <laughs> every week, regardless. It's like the Michigan rule for you. You know, you're in, you're in whether you're in or not. Um, so that'll get you in the poll. But uh, but those are those are the teams I'm watching at the beginning of the year this year to, to really see how they come out. And I mean, they're there are a lot of other good mid-major teams that, you know, I, I can think of uh, that, that could be dangerous teams like a Florida Atlantic, like a UCSB. The UCSB is another one of those schools that's done a really good job at getting transfers, guys that stick a year at wherever they come to begin with, like, uh, like J- Joseph Guillen from University of Florida, who's at UCSB. They had, had Simon Freund from LSU years ago. Um, you know, they, they do a good job there. Memphis, always solid. Uh, SMU, Grant Chen, with a roster of 20 guys, uh, very solid team. Uh, you know, that's th- those are some of the ones off the top of my head. Utah this year, they grabbed Francisco Bastias from Miami as a transfer uh, to go to Utah. So that that's a good boost for that team that was already uh, kind of at the top of their conference. So that's another good school. Is Utah not Pac-12 in tennis? Uh, they are like, I mean, you're, now, now you're going to get me on my conference affiliations, but I want to say they're, no, they're, they're not, they're, or I will I look this up as you're talking. I want to say, yeah, I was going to, I want to say big, what, what, what is BYU in? I feel like it's that, uh, Mountain West, they're Mountain West. Okay. Yes. No, I mean, yeah. look, all of those schools, I agree with you. Those are all – we always see whether it's a Tulsa or a Tulane. I mean, the obvious examples now, Dominic Cope, for him coming from a non-Power uh, 5 school, the success he's had, the most notable a guy by the name of James Blake. Not sure if you all have heard of him. He played his college tennis years at Harvard. So, of course, uh, I mean, there are countless other examples. I know those are the most extreme. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean – we were so excited to see UCF heading to USC, competing against uh, UCLA. We thought they could very well win that match, and they were one of the teams that had the most success during the individual season. Of course, we had USF uh, head coach Ashley Fisher on the podcast this summer, and it was always a pleasure to chat with him. Yeah, I mean, there are a ton of good teams laced across the country, and of course, you know, we uh, do have some of those coaches participating in our coaches' poll as well, because we do want to hear from them. We do want to hear outside the Power 5 perspective. I know today when Ball State knocked off Notre Dame, I was looking at the lineup and I saw Kofasevich at the top and I was like, wait a second. Like, doesn't he play for Illinois? I was like, oh, it's a different one. It's a different one. Okay, cool, cool. Because uh, Kofasevich is, it's not like it's the most common last name, right? So I was like, huh, this is this is interesting to me. Uh, but obviously Ball State, Western Michigan, all those MAC schools always uh, very, very solid. So yeah, there should be a lot of really good mid-major tennis as well. But of course, again, there are so many things for us to look forward to during this 2021 season. With that in mind, we've got some predictions, some props for us here down the home stretch of this podcast, some fun ones. Uh, and then of course, again, some predictions uh, to round out the show. So with that in mind, Westoff, give me some sort of props and prediction sound effect and let's rock and roll all right chris here's the place we are starting it's a uh, again i wanted to have some fun with these i didn't give you much time to prepare because that's no fun uh so these are all going to be off the cuff answers with that in mind here's my first one over under 13 and a half different lineup combinations for coach woodson in the bears this season under under 
13 and a half different lineups. Wait, okay. Just think about guess, different doubles, different I singles. You're, you're, counting, just you're counting doubles too, right? I mean, and they're playing yeah. these double headers against schools where they're going to, I mean, that's automatically four already. Um, I'm still going under. Okay, so then my follow-up to that, which school leads the the uh, country in most lineup changes or most combinations throughout the season? I have Baylor, minus 250. I have Wake Forest, even money. I have the USC Trojans mixing around with the bottom of their lineups, a sneaky plus 250. I think you are going to see some experimenting, of course, from schools all across the country, but those would be my three favorites. Who are you taking in that scenario? Uh, golly, I think in that scenario, Again, I'm going to brought take to you Wake. by our friends at DraftKings. You're I'm, taking I'm gonna, Wake in that scenario. I'm going to take Wake in that scenario. Yeah, it's best value for combination play as well. I agree with you. I and think then, who ends up with the in, least. I'm going to throw in that if I was taking the field, I want SMU. That's a really good pick. SMU actually plus plus a thousand, so that's going to be good money on that one, Chris. That's actually our DraftKings best bet of the day. So, hey, great shot to you. Uh, if you were to do the flip side of this, the fewest different lineup combinations, who are you taking? What school? The fewest different lineup combinations. Um, I'm, okay, I'm staring at the list of our coaches poll, and from that list. It's got to be NC State, right? I'm going to say Carolina schools. I'm looking at two schools right now. I'm looking at NC State, and I'm looking at Georgia, thinking they're both pretty solid. Georgia's probably got a little more question, but I mean they're 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 pretty solid, and I think knowing who they're going to play, I like I like the set set nature of both. Actually, I don't think we're going to see two terribly many different A and M lineups either. I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say is my of, best money bet. Yeah, they're flip-flopping of the guys that will happen there. So the the whole ordering will get you. But in terms of the number of players getting in, yeah, you know, they're, they're pretty much got like one, you know, you got five probably steadies all the way and, and one guy coming in, you know, to swap. But, uh, but yeah, and I would still say my, my money would be on NC State. No, they're going to try and bait you with North Carolina money at plus 350, but, you know, between uh, Sondergaard, Zap, Neff, and Kiger, they're going to be mixing around five sing- uh, six singles, and, you know, Blumberg's going to take matches off, Seguin and Rinky, uh, and they've got some depth as well, so uh, that is the false money. I-, I think Texas A&M, they're probably the plus 1,000 team as well you take in this scenario. All right, let's move on again to our next one, and some of these are just a mix of random questions I have for you. I came up with these on the fly. Over under four and a half ACC teams in the NCAA round of 16. Four oh, excuse me. Three and a half. Three and a half. I read that wrong. Three and a half. Okay. So Carolina's, Carolina's in. Wake's in. Three and a half? Three and a half. Oh, it's under for sure. So you take the under for sure. You think the number should have been two and a half and it's one of NC State or Virginia? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you uh, – yeah, because I say maybe one ga- – I, I debate – then then you probably have to go over just because one of them ought to, ought to make it, but I don't see both of them. I don't, I, I don't see both of them making it, but uh, who knows? See, I think if you asked both head coaches, they would say we see both of us making it. And so – yeah, I it's think it's a fascinating would. proposition. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I guess so. So to, let's think about that. That means you have to, if you're round of 16, that means you actually, well, either you won on the road or you hosted. If you, yeah, I mean, if they end up both ranked in the top 16 and they host, likely I still, nah, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna take the under though. So here's a regional question. This relates back to the mailbag. Who is better positioned by schedule to be a top 16 team, a Big Ten school or an ACC school, like an Illinois or a Virginia? Oh, yeah, the ACC for sure, because they've got more flexibility in the schedule. I mean, you know, a team like Illinois, great chance to get there if they can pull off a win or two against Michigan or Ohio State, right? But if they can't do that, 
it gets really tough because now your best wins have to be Indiana, Iowa, uh, which, you know, it's not that those are horrible wins, but they're not going to garner a lot of ranking points uh, for you. You get to play them twice probably, but it's still not, it's not great from a rankings perspective. So, uh, so for an Illinois, obviously the kickoff weekend is huge. I mean, not kickoff weekend, but the indoors that they're hosting is huge because they get an opportunity. They get three shots at, you know, probably top 10 teams in order to try to grab a, a big win that will help them help them down the road. But, but outside of that, for sure, the ACC with the flexibility they've got to play other schools, you know, like, like wake playing Baylor out of conference. That's, you know, that's just a huge advantage for them. Mm-hmm. So then the follow-up is over under two and a half ACC teams in the NCAA quarterfinals. In the quarterfinals, two and a half. Yeah, I got to go on. I got to go on. Course. It's got to be under. Uh I can't say I disagree with you. You probably have to take the under in that situation. All right, sticking with the theme of over-unders, over-under three-and-a-half Big 12 teams in the NCAA round of 16. I know you love yourself some Oklahoma State. There's some Texas love out there. Obviously, we see teams like Baylor, TCU looking well. At that point, it's two-thirds of the conference. Do you think they get two-thirds to the round of 16? Round of 16, uh... TCU, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma State. I mean, it pretty much, it's not going to, it's, you've only got six teams. It's not going to be, you know, in all likelihood, Texas Tech or Oklahoma. So that means the other four have to make it. Do they all make it? That's what I'm saying. That it has to be, it's an inside straight. You have to draw the inside straight, but legitimately they could, they could. I mean, that over-under can't be like a minus 105. You know, you, you got to give me like, you know, plus 170 and I might take it. Otherwise, <laughs> no, it's, it, it's over. Plus, one thir- I mean, plus it's, 132. I mean, it's under. It's got, it's got to be the under unless I'm getting good money, right? Give you plus uh, 132. Nah, I'll take. I'll stay under. All right. I might take the over then still. Yeah, I really I mean, like it's not, a, it's not a bad bet. I certainly mm-hmm. can't fault you. I mean, it's, it's very possible – but I mean, oof. No, that's the bet that I call you about all the time. Where I'm like, look, Chris, I had plus odds. Three of the four teams hit. Oklahoma State was up three-one on Illinois, and they blew the freaking lead. Like, what am I supposed <laughs> to do there? That's yeah. exactly what happens with that over/under bet if you actually take it. But no, I, I think the Big Twelve is going to be a really good. All right, I'm going to switch gears here. Uh, switch, ge- yes, gears a little bit here. Let's go to some individual sort of things. Rinky Hijikata ends the year at number two over Ben Seguin. And I mentioned this yesterday. We may or may not have seen the uh, the lineups for some of these teams. But I wrote this question way before I had even sniffed any of the lineups because you look at Rinky Hijikata, man, can this kid play. Do you think he ends the season at two singles? Yes. I That's mean, pretty two, firm, yes. Two years in a row, great showings down in, you know, well, I can't say down this time, but down in Australia and then over in the Middle East in the Australian Open qualifying this year, um, you know, and just tremendous last year, probably the best spot on uh, uh, on the roster. I, I think it's very, very likely that that happens. I mean, we've only seen one year of him. He's the kind of kid I think that does make that bit that you always like to refer to as that sophomore jump, right? He makes it. And, and yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a very good chance that, uh, that he, he finishes out the year in the two spot. Mm-hmm. All right. Does a non power five player end the year in the individual top 10 of the singles rankings? You have the camps at UCF. You've got, I mean, I'm trying to think across who's a non-power. I mean, all of the Harvard, Columbia kids uh, who aren't really going to be playing much this season, but they're no, all in the mix for that top ten. Top ten's a stretch. You got yeah. There's some good. I mean, there are some good players. You can go down to like a Damon Casares at St. Mary's. Casares, um, exactly. Uh, but top ten. Part of that. Well, again, 
the formula is going to play a big part. Are they using the same formula? And if so, uh, you know, those, those schools may be hurt by the fact that they may not get as many opportunities to play some of the bigger schools. I'm boy, I'm going to say no. I think the top 10 will be all power five players. So you're closest right now to cracking that list as a non-Power 5 player. DeCamp, 16. Jack Lynn, 17. Uh, Caceres, as you mentioned, number 23. You've got Joseph. Uh, is it You said Julian? I don't want to pronounce it incorrectly. Joseph. Oh, no. I said uh, Guillen is what I said, but yeah. yeah Guillen, from yeah. Yep. Guillen, whatever, from UC Santa Barbara, he's at number 27. So there are a couple of guys, you know, right on the outskirts of that territory. It's just always a fun thing to watch because, oh, and then Guy uh, Osorio for USD. That's another guy. Ewan Moore for Tulane. He's been around for so long. Mizuchi, UCF. These are all guys in or around the top 50 of the ITA ranking. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to monitor. I thought you might like that question, though. All right, again, home stretch here. An American wins the NCAA singles championship, yes or no? Yes. Is it going to be Will? I'm, yeah, I, how can I vote against Will Blumberg? I mean, you give me Will in the field. Uh, okay. Well, I, yeah, I, I give you – here's the real thing was, is you get Will, you get Cook, or excuse me, you get Will, you get Cannon, and you get uh, Keegan. Like, if I get those three, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're not so – I mean, uh, uh, I'm trying to think who the – Galarno is – Kukerman, Vashiro, those are the three ones who could do it. Habib – or Habib is American. No, he's not American. Yeah, he doesn't claim – I think he actually claims Lebanese maybe. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't remember. Yeah, Draxel, Canadian, Kukuman, uh Galarno, Canadian. Hey, you get, and you get an outside shot depending on how the year goes with Kovacevic too. Um, yeah. So, Although I think he is now – anyways, anyways, yes. I'm – yeah, between between the fact that I get uh, I I get Will and I and and I get and I get Kingsley oh, and God. Keegan and and Keegan Smith. Yeah, I mean, sure, I'll I'll take it. It's probably a sucker. I'm I'm voting with my heart now, right? Uh, <laughs> I want I want to see Will. I mean, the the smart money probably says no. Take you know, don't. But but I'll yes, I'll I'll take that. I'll take the Americans. Yeah, again, they're all pretty good bets at this point. Um, all right, will there be a Roy Smith situation where someone midway through the year is just leaving to go pro? Man, I don't. I no, I don't. I mean, with everything that's gone on, you would have done it already. I mean, you'd have done the yeah. the Jensen deal. I mean, why why come now if the season actually plays? I have no idea why. You know, so that would have been. You know, well, Will's coming back because it's a team. It would have been Alexi Galarno who could have easily gone. It would have been a Carl Soderlund. It would have, I mean, uh, you know, no, I don't see any any of those guys going before the year's over. I agree with you. Well, all right, rapid fire predictions here down the home stretch. I'm going to name the Power Five Conference. Then I'm going to go through some awards. You tell me who you think's going to win it. Ready? Here we go. Pac-12. Oh, just team wise. Yeah, team-wise. Ah, USC. We did this in the conference, too. He's mad enough at me anyway, so I'll take USC. Big 10. <laughs> what a chicken. Come on. He wanted to pick Stanford. No, I think Stanford's going to beat them. No, Stanford's going to beat them once during the regular season, but give me the Trojans. Yeah. All right, where'd we go now? Big 10. Big 10. Oh, Ohio State. Sad but true. Give me the Buckeyes. Big 12. Baylor. Coaches would disagree. I also think TCU beats them once during the year, but give me Baylor as well. Too much talent, 1 through 12. They can field two teams, and they'd both be top 10. ACC. North Carolina. Yeah, that's the team. SEC. This is the most interesting. Yeah, by far the most interesting. Uh, I mean, I think we're all down to either. I mean, even though Georgia's in the mix, we're all at either Florida or an A or A and M. Um, I, I'm sticking. 
That's another one of these I, I vote with my heart and probably not smart money, but I'm taking the Gators. The thing is, we are a Schachter podcast here. We believe in the Schachter family and everything they do here at Cracked Rackets. I mean, you have you've been on the Hattie Habib bandwagon as long as I've known you. Literally, at, at that NCAA tournament, twenty eighteen. No, I know Vashro's the guy, but and Rinderneck, but trust me, Habib's the one. And it's just like, oh my god, um, who is this guy? What did I get myself into here? Uh, that being said, I've trashed the. I, I haven't first. Have I trashed the Gators? I've been harsh, a harsh critic, but I don't think I've trashed them. I think you very you, you very silently, implicitly trashed them. Well, it's because I believe in them so thoroughly with every fiber of my being. I was such a fan of that 2019 team. I, I'm telling you, it ruined the Sunday golf course when they lost to Texas in the semifinals. I was like, this is horrifying. I was like, why am I out here celebrating a wonderful wedding with my fantastic friend when I should be watching this Florida match against Texas? <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, and I'm I was just like, you nonstop. <laughs> yeah, the entire time. And I'm like, I cannot believe I'm missing this. Um, uh uh, by the way, fantastic wedding. Dalton's and Hannah's probably the last fun thing I did in the world. So shout out to them as always. I didn't mean to trash their wedding. That was delightful. Um, uh, give me the Gators. I agree. Oh, uh, for I everything love you said. I'll, I love it. I'll lean Gators. I'll lean Gators. All right, some fun ones now. Freshman of the year, who you picking? Arthur Ferry. I'll take whichever one of the Wake Forest freshmen ends up higher in the lineup. It's still unclear which one it's going to be. Um, player of the year. Oh, Will Blumberg. You're stupid if you're betting anything else. Single <laughs> uh, Doubles champion. We'll start there. Ooh, doubles champion. I thought about this question so hard. <laughs> I just want to say. Oh, man. I'm... I'm going Riley Smith and Daniel Kukerman. See, it the easy answer is Blumberg Cernok. But for someone to sweep the national championship the in, uh, in team singles and doubles, it just when was the last time it happened? I think it was Kim for Stanford or maybe it was one of the Georgia players. I I should know this off the top of my head if I didn't do so much extracurricular stuff in my spare time, I still would. Um, you know, Obviously, even Stevie not be Johnson. A guy or you'd know. No, Stevie Johnson never did it. Somdev never did it. Kwiatkowski, Ryan Shane, Jameer Jenkins came really close. Jameer Jenkins went, won the team event finals of both the singles and doubles, and him and Max Deislinger ended up winning. He lost in singles to Blazrola. So, yeah, to answer your question, if it is a Virginia player, I would have remembered it. Uh, it's not. <sighs> Cookerman Smith's a great pick because those are two top 50 guys, seniors who have been around the block. I penciled in Johnston and Styler for the longest time just because I wanted to piss you off. <laughs> I'm just going to laugh you out. The though. thing is, there's too much talent on the Baylor roster for them to end this season without a national championship. So I don't know if it's going to be Fronson and Law. I don't know if it's going to be Boyten and Stokowiak. I don't know if it's going to be Soto and Broom. But it is going to be one of those teams, and it's whichever team is the best at the end of the year. Man, I tell you, the I think I think in a in an NCAA doubles style match, the team best suited of that group might actually be uh, Boyton and Stokowiak because when you get to the NCAA's yeah. doubles are playing full two out of three sets, not a you know it's not the eight game pro set like you're playing in a dual match, and I think by the time you get to two out of three sets, you want the big server which is one of the reasons I like, uh, you know, Riley Smith and Daniel Kukerman, the same reason you saw like Cressy and, and Smith go run, run through so easily uh, for UCLA. I, I, you want that big server in a full two out of three, you know, one break of the other guys, just not going to cut, not going to win the match for you. Like it will in a, uh, or in just a match to six games. But, uh, but yeah, I think you want the big server. Yeah. I, would agree with you there and I just again I think that team's ended up with a national championship this season in something national singles champion NCAA singles champion you taking Will I have yeah I have to take Will 
it's just his time. If he comes out of college tennis without a single national title, we were robbed. Like, we were. And so he's getting at least one this year. Kingsley would be the bet to put your money on versus odds and potential because he's probably like plus well actually he's probably a lot lower than you think now he's probably in that plus 500 range if we were making our hypothetical odds but man can that young man hit a tennis ball um I mean if Keegan Smith has his head on his shoulders he can also win it and like he could win 0-0 in the final and it's just kind of like oh okay cool I guess that's a thing um yeah. But I agree with you. Kukerman's great. So many of these players are great. Blumberg is exceptional. Give him my singles championship. Let's go now. Last two, Chris. National indoor title. Who you go with? Carolina. Are you taking them for the NCAA team title as well? I am. I mean, how can I back off now? Uh, I know. So here's the thing. If those top three stay healthy, I don't know how you get away from it. But, like, do you know how good you have to be to sweep both events? Do you know how many times Virginia, during their four— uh, Okay, so they did it twice, but during their three-peat, Virginia <laughs> only won the national indoors once. You know, they lost in the final a couple of the other—or one of the other times, and in 2013, when they won their first title, Boland also won the national indoors title, but that only happened once. For USC, how many times did they win both? Once during Stevie Johnson's years. This isn't, you know, Wake Forest was that 2018 Wake Forest team goes down in the history books because they are also one of those few teams that really was that good in winning both the indoors and the outdoors event. The thing is, there are so many exceptional teams that any other season would be national title contenders in college tennis this year. But, but, but yeah, you know, UNC's you, you number one for a reason. But, but I have to even hedge my bets. If I think they're the best team, even if I'm with you and I say, yeah, they probably can't sweep, so they win one, do I get any points if I say they win they win indoors and someone else wins outdoors and it's exactly the opposite? No, I missed them both. So I'm just going to take them. <laughs> I'm taking them for both, figuring I'm going to get one right. Uh, now, if you're, if you're telling good. me, ah, I can just pick the two and it doesn't matter which one they'll be, Okay, maybe I'll try. Maybe I'll go with UNC and someone else. But short of that, no, I got to take UNC to win both because I think they're the favorites to win them both. For the record, the last player to sweep both the men's uh, singles and doubles and team championships, Matthias Booker. I knew it was one of those Georgia players. Matthias Booker, 2001. He and Travis Perot won the doubles championship. He won singles. Georgia beat Tennessee in the final of the NCAA tournament as well. The guy to do it before that, Bob Bryan, back in 98. So it doesn't happen all the time. Again, Steve Johnson was never able to do it. A guy like uh, none of the Virginia players uh, were able to do it. I'm pretty sure... Uh, Petros came somewhat although I don't know if he was even in the doubles draw that year that he ended up winning it but uh, the point being it's not an easy task and so to ask the Tar Heels to ask Will to win all these things in the predictions it's probably unlikely but coming into the season I see it the way you do I just think they're the odds on favorite there's a reason no college coach we've spoken to has them outside the top two they are that good and there are a lot of other schools that can be frisky that can compete with the best of the best week in week out but it seems like all of us seem to think it's going to come down to one of those schools versus UNC and I just think that's the best bet so I agree with you give me the Tar Heels to win both the indoors and the outdoors but expect some phenomenal tennis expect some surprising results throughout this 2021 season uh with that in mind chris that'll do it for our preseason well, coverage of this college on, tennis I, season i can't believe you it. gruskin oh i love it lay them on me all right i mean we all know you, you in addition to michigan you're a who homer as well <laughs> that's so, true the question is Final rankings, Virginia plus plus Michigan, over under 24. That's a really good – first of all, it would be 24 and a half. Um, Yeah, true, 24 and a half. Over under 24 and a half. So I thought you were going to ask me who ends up ranked higher by the end of the season, Michigan or Virginia, and I was going to tell you respectfully to go f*** yourself. <laughs> um, 
That's a really good. I mean, it's a really good question. Oh, man, twenty four and a half two is like spot on because let's say one of them makes the quarterfinals, but the other one of them misses out, or they both just miss out on the quarterfinals. There's certainly to be top sixteen teams. What this is a bet on is do I think one of them ends up in the top 10? Because if one of them does, they're not both ending out outside the top 16. I think those are both round of 16 NCAA teams. And so, again, this is a bet. Do I think one of them ends the season in the top 10? I am going to say yes, and therefore I am going to say under, but just by the sl- But the thing is, what if it's like a 14-9 scenario? No, then you're still under. I'm going to say the slightest of unders. The slightest of unders. If you get a top 10, the only way you don't make it, if they both make, you know, top 16, obviously, is if the other is 15 or 16. No, I'm legitimately, that half point, 24 and a half, is what I'm buying there. Like, I'm like, yeah, 24 and a half, sure, I'll take that. 23 (laughs) and a half, I I might go over. But 24 and a half, I will take the under. Uh, But that's a good one. Keep rolling. All right, all right, all right. So two two more now, and they're both singles singles bets. Because you didn't ask me, and I swore it was coming. Over <laughs> under 12 and a half bar bots or singles matches in duel. <laughs> well, because I think I asked you it in the preview as well. Uh, and I was like, I can't make that joke a 12th time. But since you made it, I'm going to take the under. I think it's going to oh. be – if he hits – I think out. Did you say excluding NCAA's or including? No, prior prior to NCAA's dual match. Yeah, matches. under. Dual I'll be surprised the if, NCAA tournament. If he hits ten before the conference tournament, I'll be surprised. So, so yeah, the twelve and a half would include conference tournament. So theoretically, that should be you know four. Oh well, but the thing is, he's also. Uh, but he might all. Uh, that's a good number. I'll take the slight over because he's my guy, and I can just be like, "Yo, I need you to play it down the home stretch here." All right. I have a fictional bet with my podcast co-host. All right, give all me right. that last one. The last one. The lineups Baylor submits for the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Nick Stokowiak, under or over. Four and a half. <laughs> over, over, over. Charlie's oh. playing. Charlie's playing four, and okay. Nick's gonna play five or six. I just think Charlie's that good. It's not that I think Nick is bad. Just like the prospect of Nick Stokowiak at five singles. Hang up your racket now. You're down one zero. All right, I like it. I like it. But Matt would probably disagree with me. So this is the first time I've really felt his absence on this podcast. <laughs> that's, but uh, that's why I had to I had to get it in there now because now we got you yeah. on the record without him here to bark yeah. at you. So no, if look, he could play one and it's justified. But I think he ends up at five. I just think that's the move. I think if you can get away with playing Nick Stokowiak at five, you play Nick Stokowiak at five and you count your chickens and you're a happy man. Um, but yeah, again, that'll How about do this it. One I I just thought of this one. Ooh. We've heard. So as of the time we are recording this, Gruskin, it is now 10.09 p.m. on Wednesday night. We have yet Mm -hmm. to hear, other than the three teams we have previously talked about this week being pulled from the tournament, have have yet to hear of any more. So hopefully all those COVID tests came back today. Haven't heard any more withdrawals. Uh, But the number the number of teams that will pull between now and the kickoff weekend over under one and a half under, but there will be some, there will be some really bad lineups. I'm with, I, that's exactly what I'm, that's what I'm, I mean, I'm I'm not that I'm hoping for the bad lineups, but that's what I'm hoping for is I think at this point we probably would have heard if the teams were going to pull and so maybe they're having to leave three or four guys behind, and you're going to be like, what the heck are they doing? Oh, uh, we've, we've, we've both are... heard about teams that are bringing six, and you're like, those are the six you're bringing? Good luck, my friend. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I think I, I'm with you. I think we're going to see some really strange lineups. And, and luckily, we'll, we'll at least get to do some, uh, some calls in our red zone coverage so folks can probably hear 
uh, why they're seeing some strange lineups uh, because guys that just didn't even make the trip and hopefully we'll have that info. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm hopeful that it's just odd lineups and, and God forbid that if, if anybody does pull that hopefully we still fill the spots, I would hate to see buys in the kickoff weekend. Well, that's a perfect segue because for any of you who want to hear our response to all of the action that unfolds this weekend, you can follow along with us on our GSP, GSP, excuse me, our Cracked Rackets Red Zone coverage, which you can find on our YouTube channel by searching Cracked Rackets. You can find on our website, on our social media. We will be live from first serve to final serve on Friday through Sunday. Chris is going to be joining me again, the USC, NC State, Michigan, and Ohio State regions, all under our purview should be a really fun weekend of tennis and I'm sure if anything shocking happens we'll recap Friday Saturday and Sunday if things stay relatively calm we'll just do one big final recap when all of the action concludes later next week but of course we want to thank all of you listeners for sticking with us we have thrown a lot of content out at you guys over these past few months and that's because we are so excited for this college tennis season and the response we've gotten has been overwhelming so sincerely thank you so much to all of you listeners thank you so much to all of the college players coaches administrators who put up with Chris and I texting them day in day out week in week out their participation their enthusiasm for what we do here at crack rackets uh it doesn't go unnoticed and again sig- sincerely appreciated so a huge shout out to all of them a huge shout out to you chris and he's not here to hear this and we know he won't make it to an hour six into the podcast but a huge shout out to maddie as well seriously i bother you guys a ton and you put up with my garbage i don't know why i'll never know why but i sincerely appreciate it so shout out to you chris to you maddie whom you both know i love you both and continue to be appreciative of all that you do and last but not least of course shout out to the super producer daniel westoff who has a of an editing job to do day in day out and yet somehow again continues to get it all done continues to have five podcasts i think we're up to here at cracked rackets maybe six or seven plus a youtube channel plus a functioning website plus all the other fun stuff we do offline as well so shout out to him as always and shout out to our friends at DraftKings for their continued support but again we will be with you all weekend long for our red zone coverage of this ita kickoff weekend we hope you join us on our youtube channel with that in mind for my wonderful co-host chris Hallioris, our super producers fligner and westoff our friends at DraftKings and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell the people? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all Friday morning. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>